Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things to look at, and we all know this has been the conversation of late. Not only China and China and China's purchases, but what's going to happen with all of this come January 1. Then let's add the fact that if you look out your window, you know it's dry, and especially if you don't have irrigation, the struggles that are out there throughout the Midwest a lot of this we can blame right now on what's happening with the pressure system. So we're going to look a little meteorology, a little agronomy, a little market happening, and government all wrapped up into one as Arlen Suderman joins us with StoneX. And Arlen, we got to start out talking about Hurricane Laura. It has definitely been the topic of discussion lately next to China. But as we look at this storm and what it could bring, how is it affecting and has the markets really reacted yet? Um, good questions. Um, first of all, we need to say that uh, our thoughts and prayers go out for those people on the Gulf Coast because Hurricane Laura is now a Category 4 hurricane and is poised to be the strongest hurricane on record to hit the northwestern Gulf. Um, and so it's going to dramatically change the landscape in that part of the country, it looks like. Fortunately, the rice has been harvested in that area. We're seeing estimates that um, the storm surge, uh, if it comes in as expected near high tide, could push 40 miles inland in Louisiana, which would be on the northeast quadrant of the storm. Um, Some of the cotton has been harvested. Some of it's still in the field. So there will be some cotton losses most likely there as well. And then as it comes north into into Arkansas, we'll probably see some crop losses there as well from the wind. The winds are going to be very strong deep inland. Um, Arkansas could see some 70-plus mile-an-hour wind gusts for a sustained period of time. So definitely not good this time of year as we saw in Iowa. The other impact that it's had is it, along with uh, the previous tropical storm that kind of died in recent days, uh, the combination of those two storms strengthened the high pressure that's been impacting the western Midwest, pushing temperatures up. And that's why we've been so hot this week is because of the tropical activity in the Gulf. And so that is putting a lot of crops west of the Mississippi River under added stress that are already very dry and has been aggravating the drought effects of trying to fill grain for the corn crop late in the season as it moves toward maturity and fill pods for soybeans. And we've seen reports of some soybeans aborting pods even. So it is having a negative effect on yields. That will likely add additional losses to the crop ratings next Monday on top of the big losses we saw this week. So Hurricane Laura may be in the Gulf, but it is impacting us and impacting the bottom line on farms indirectly in the western Midwest. It has definitely turned into a um, very frustrating and, and and stressful time right now for our producers, um, really from the Gulf all the way up. And as we see this and you, you look ahead to Monday, you look ahead to harvest, some were saying we should have predicted this. We should have known that the dryness was going to happen and the numbers USDA has been saying all along won't be there. Yeah, yeah, we've seen the biggest production estimates. That confidence is certainly growing that that's the case. The question is, is how much will it pull back? Um, 
Now, when we look at crop ratings, I said we'll probably have another drop this coming Monday. The, the typical pattern in a situation in a year like this is that crop ratings drop fast, and like the market, they'll drop further than what's justified, and then they'll bounce back during the harvest period as we realize, well, we saw some losses, but not quite as many as what the crop ratings would suggest. So where will the bottom be? That's going to be the key, and then how much of a bounce back. But it does look like instead of robust record yields this year, it does look like uh, we're going to be pulling the top off of those. And uh, the question is is whether we'll pull below trend yields or not, and that's yet to be determined. We certainly have seen a lot of stress. Uh, we have yet to determine what the abandonment abandonment will be yet for corn acres in Iowa. We are seeing some ground being released for destroying corn because the ears that are laying near the ground on some of that duratio uh, corn is really starting to show molds and so insurance is releasing it. Um, so there's a lot of unanswered questions yet, um, but the markets are trading the expectation that uh, we've seen the most bearish numbers of the year now. The other dominant factor that we've seen within this market trade has been China, and that's kind of been the all-summer-long discussion, but they just continue. I mean, they've purchased a lot of corn, a lot of beans. What's this mean long-term? Yeah, we're probably not going to hit the $36.5 billion this year in imports like was in the commitment of Phase 1, and a big part of that is because of the low price of the commodities making it tougher to hit that. That being said... Um, we are having the best export year set up to China now that we've seen in quite some time. Uh, and the potential is there for a record year for exporting soybeans to China. I said earlier this year that I thought that uh, China would take in 40 to 45 million metric tons of soybeans from us. And coronavirus hit and really delayed everything. We saw the collapse of the Brazilian uh, currency, which really made Brazil's soybeans much cheaper and I gave up on that hope. Um, and then this morning I see a prediction from uh, Bloomberg that they will hit 40 million metric tons, which would be about 1.47 billion bushels of soybeans going to China. I don't think that that's mathematically possible anymore. If you look at what's been shipped to China to this point and then you look at what our capacity is based on past years, how many we've been able to ship to China through the last four months of the year, 37 million metric tons uh, or about 1.37 billion bushels is probably the more likely, but that would... We've got a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Arlen Suderman, we were talking China before we left on break. And I know that January 1, will we continue to see this craziness in buying coming from China? Well, of course, the two crops of interest are corn and soybeans. And we anticipate that we'll get the uh, uh, TRQs for 2021 here in the next few weeks from China. And that'll tell us whether they're going to increase their TRQs or whether they're just buying ahead for 2021 delivery because they've already bought more corn than will fit for the 2020 TRQs. On the soybean side, um, obviously I talked about how we're on pace for perhaps record shipments to China but between now and the end of the year. But what happens after January 1st? 
if in fact we do not have any weather problems in South America, a robust crop of 132, 133 million metric tons is expected, up about uh, 10 to 12 million metric tons from this year uh, for Brazil alone with Argentina and uh, Paraguay expecting bigger crops as well. So it's going to dramatically increase the supply in South America. And with their cheap currencies, we expect them to be much cheaper than U.S. soybeans. So unless China is going to engage in some type of stockpiling, of building a reserve, um, we expect to not only see China, but a lot of non-China business very quickly go south of the equator as we get into the February forward period. And so that is going to limit how much we can see exports in the United States increase. USDA is already factored in. Uh, the possibility of maybe 37 million metric tons um, going to China uh, for for the next marketing year. So exceeding that um, and continuing that business into next year might be really difficult until we get to a year from now. And that would be the next marketing year beyond the 2021 marketing year. So I still think um, that the market is correctly pricing the current dynamics um, could they be stockpiling, as I said? It's possible, but if I talk to our people in Shanghai, this, they're, they're doubtful. They said we have to respect that possibility, but we're doubtful because we're not sure where they would put those beans because they would need, if you're going to import beans to build a stockpile, you need to have storage near the ports, and they just don't have that much storage available. And so that's why, again, it's hard for me to get overly bullish Unless this crop is much smaller, we've done a lot more damage than what we think with this late season dryness. And even with the ramping up that they're doing on their hogs at this point, still not a stockpile area. No, I mean, demand for soy meal has been good. A lot of that's because of increase in the inclusion rate in rations and the rapid expansion of the poultry industry. Uh, They keep talking about um, how much they've strengthened um, the uh, hog herd and rebuilt the hog herd and haven't had a uh, reported COVID, excuse me, African swine fever case now in a month. But yet there's other indications African swine fever is still a big problem. Uh, we're seeing new records continuing to be set for piglet prices, meaning there's a shortage of them. We continue to see pork prices almost at record highs despite record imports. Um, they're still releasing pork from their reserve as well. And it just doesn't fit that they've rebuilt their herds. We think that they're still down 20 and likely 30% be, below pre-ASF levels at this point. Um, and uh, so that in and of itself is, I think, going to limit the growth pace of soy meal here over the next year. Cattle market took a big hit on the futures today. It did, and it's basically we we're seeing the cash market basically steady to a dollar lower so far this week, and we'll see how we go with the rest of the week. In a sense that we probably have put the seasonal high in on the cash market, the product market though continues to impress, um, and so I, I think the market has been pricing in the expectation that the product market would prob- probably hit its high at the end of last week, but it keeps going up. And that has been impressive. And uh, 
with La Nina getting started, we're looking at above normal temperatures expected over the southern two-thirds of the country and really much of the east, I think, as we go through September and October. That may extend the barbecue season. Um, maybe that accounts for some of the continued demand. I don't know. But the product market has been impressive with all the food service that's been shut down um, and restaurants still under restricted uh, uh, capabilities. Um, but yet, with the cash market showing some toppiness, the, the funds didn't waste any time on taking some profits today. All right. Sounds good, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? Stonex.com or on Twitter. Uh, you can find me. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe, and on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.